0: You are listening to another Always Moto production. The Always Moto Podcast with your host, David Hogan. We talk moto events from around the world. All the injuries, all the training ins and outs, the bikes, parts and gear inspections. The results, we interview your favourite riders, it's the Always Moto Podcast. We occasionally have some coarse language and the odd stuff up along the way. If you don't like it, or you don't agree with us, turn it off, right now. I'd like to remind you that he is not a doctor. That's right, Moto fans, I'm not a doctor, but I am a physiotherapist, and this is episode 98 of the Always Moto Podcast, proudly brought to you by Leit Moto Australia. I'm your host, David Hogan, the Australian (laughs) Australian physiotherapist that knows the injuries in our sport, and I got tongue-tied in the first three lines, it's fantastic. This is the Always Moto Podcast, we are in the depths of the clinic throwing strapping tape anywhere it will stick. As always on the show, we'll be going through all things moto but particularly the injuries in our sport because hashtag injuries are a part of moto and last week in Arlington was a massive week of injuries, unfortunately. Guys flying through the air left, right and centre. Some survived, some didn't, unfortunately. Austin Faulkner didn't in that case. This week's show, we're looking ahead to round eight of the Super Motocross Series from Daytona, Florida. That's right, it's Daytona week, people. Always good to watch, uh, hear from other media sources that they don't like being there, but I've never been there. I just like watching it on the TV. (laughs) So we'll go through some things Daytona-ish. We're going to run through, obviously, the emergency department updates. That's our thing here on the Always Moto podcast. We will have all those updates that we have for you here. We've got some check-ins that we've done with some different riders this week. Bringing you the information firsthand as best we can. We've got a Dave's diatribe and you're going to want to stick around for this one. If you haven't seen the YouTube video that I'm putting out with this info, you should. Uh, I'm basically bringing that audio across, but uh, yeah, it's a good one. So stick around for that. And we've got plenty more stuff here on the show as always. So another awesome show coming your way here on the Always Moto Podcast. But hey, Moto fans, this episode of the Always Moto Podcast is brought to you by Leot Moto Australia, the ultimate gear and protection solution for riders seeking top-notch safety and style from head to toe leon moto has you covered with innovative helmets goggles body armor and more ride with confidence knowing you're backed by gear designed by riders for riders head over to au and gear up for your next ride. And the show is also supported by plenty others, Technic Motorsport, Pivot Pegs, Slantboard Guy, Competitive Edge Performance, Endurance Recovery Boots and Tech 167 3D Printing and you will hear from most of these companies throughout the show so stick around for that. As always, we do need your support here on the show, direct to us here so that we can get to more of these US races in 2024. We have our merch available, we have those t-shirts that are available. Available for you to purchase our $25 plus post and handling, show your support of the show and rock a t-shirt at, the, at your next race, email us at info at alwaysmoto.com put t-shirt order in the subject line send through the size you want and we'll be in touch regarding payment via PayPal, now speaking of PayPal maybe you're too sexy for that shirt and you just want to support the show anyway send us a donation straight to the PayPal account for the Always Moto uh, it's very simple to do before you even know it you'll be supporting the show and we really appreciate it but To find all of our supporters, the discount codes, their links, and more, follow the links in the show notes or in our bios on the social pages, and you'll head straight to those pages quicker than you can click the button. All right, enough of the intro talk. Let's jump into this show. This is Derek Kelly, and you're listening to the Always Moto Podcast. All right, guys and girls, welcome into another show here on the Always Moto Podcast. Let's get this one rolling with a bit of a revisit of some stuff that we said in last week's show in relation to two particular riders and two particular topics that we were going on a little bit about. One, we popped down some, obviously some East Coast Championship picks and I mentioned that Austin was probably going to be, and that's Austin Faulkner, was probably going to be the man in this one, given this little intro point for for Brian, for Hayden Deegan to come into the series with that wrist injury that you know is probably a bit more serious than everyone thought initially but uh given that austin was coming in you know reasonably healthy pretty good and obviously showed really well at that first round i just felt it was you know a bit of time you know maybe this was the the redemption story but uh Look, that comment lasted a whole, I don't know, 15 minutes, not even, no, 10 minutes in the main event there for him in uh, Arlington. And the Moto Gods managed to kick him straight, square in the nuts, and sent him flying through the air. So he is no longer going to be getting this championship, but I just wanted to address those comments straight off the bat because I thought he was looking good, as did many people, I guess, out there. He was looking the business this year, and just for whatever reason – He's killed a black cat, he's walked under a ladder, something has happened that's got some bad juju just going around and that black cloud of injury is following Austin Faulkner. It just continues to be over the top of him. Hopefully he will be all good and we'll talk about it a bit more in the emergency department as well in terms of the injuries and the the details of that. But yeah, look, just not good for Austin Faulkner straight out of the gate there. Uh, and the other one, we spoke a lot about this one because Eli Tomac has been just off his game in these opening rounds and we were speculating around whether there was some bike set up, whether there's just some high-end fitness that he maybe didn't have coming off that Achilles injury last year. And I said, to the, I said a lot about the fact that he just didn't look flexible on the bike and he didn't look like he was actually, you know, Getting aggressive with it, making those moves where the body is just, you know, the body English, he wasn't there yet. He was very rigid in his position. He wasn't getting forward. He wasn't getting back. There wasn't those sorts of, you know, bulldog type rides that he has where he just puts the bike wherever he wants. And I referenced that ride in Detroit a couple of years ago where he was just all over the thing and just on another level. Well, flash forward to Arlington, seems two weeks for Eli to prepare a bit more and maybe get some bike settings. On point has made all the difference. Whether there was no fitness aspects, whether it was purely that comfort aspect on the bike, it seems like that was more the issue at this point in time. Although, as much as he rode, as everyone's saying, he's back in beast mode, beast mode in normal past years would have put him straight to the top. He only managed to, and look, this is a little bit of a what if. Yes, he had the tip over at the beginning. And Jet had the tip over at the end and then a second tip over in running into Freezy there. So we're calling this only really a third in big scheme of things. Yes, he finished second on the paper, um, but, you know, he had the Eli had the tip over and Jet gifted him that position. So is a third really beast mode? I don't think so. And the fact that even though Aaron Plessinger was passed by him. Aaron Plessinger managed to then run that pace of Eli down the stretch into the last few laps there and stay right with him. So there are positive signs for Eli, but is he back to that full level? I don't think so just yet, and I still think that little bit of um, that high-end fitness and maybe that race readiness has still got to come back. Yes, we're looking at Daytona this week, but there is just a little bit still question mark over Eli Tomac in terms of... You know, that top end race level performance to win an AMA Supercross event. Yes, he has 50, was it 51 of those in the in the bank, uh, but it's always harder to get the next one, especially the older that you get and you're coming off injuries and all those sorts of things. So let's watch and see how this goes. So the question remains, is Eli Tomac back? I'm not sure on that one just yet. He's the damn close is what I'm going to say. And what will it bring what will he bring to Daytona? Is the confidence of the Daytona and those six pass wins for Eli Tomac going to just be, you know, a confidence boost, a kick to the kick to the ego and he'll be right to the top? Or will it just be a familiar setting and, you know, still a similar story where he's he's good but he's maybe not Top echelon. We'll have to see how that plays out. Uh, I am very excited about it, and I'll get to that here shortly in terms of what Daytona is going to bring. But we're just sort of still got to go back and recap what happened there in Arlington. Now, obviously, Jet Lawrence has to figure out these little errors that he's having when he's coming through the field there. Um, that Anaheim 2 Triple Crown race where he crashed on his own. This time he's crashed out front on his own. Maybe it's a Honda thing and similar to Chase Sexton last year. Maybe it's a jet just hasn't figured out the little nuances to get it done on a 20 plus one main event in 450 Supercross completely yet and obviously still young and still learning. But he can't keep giving away those extra points like he did to the rest of this field. This is an experienced field, Cooper Webb, Eli Tomac. These guys are not going to need too much encouragement to then all of a sudden find that level to be the same or better than him. At this stage Jet definitely has a speed advantage, but you've got to manage that speed advantage into into an overall performance. Single lap efforts are not going to get this done in the big boy class. Will Jet be able to figure this out? Let's hope so. But what is it going to mean coming into Coming into Daytona, Cooper Webb obviously with the win in the end and a solid ride for him there in second after a bit of a so-so showing throughout the day. But this gives a very interesting point that we're going to raise here for Daytona. In past few seasons, yes, Eli has won Daytona and pretty much consistently won it um, You know, nearly seven years in a row. I think he got second, I think it was, to Brayton that one year. But he's been the man there. But the man that's been right behind him in recent times at Daytona, really trying to take a Daytona win to put it in the career, you know, in the career list and highlights for himself has been Cooper Webb. Cooper Webb has been pushing him. Yes, Ken has done it at some times as well, but Cooper Webb has been there. It was particularly last year. And I feel like he's got that little you know that that event checked off on the list as an important one for him to add to his list of wins, so he's motivated. He's confident from this week at Arlington. He's motivated for D- for Daytona. Eli Tomac's obviously got some confidence and motivated for Daytona based on his past performances, and then Jet Lawrence is also motivated because he just gave up a win. And also has just uh, probably looking for the Daytona as well, just from that simple fact that it's a little bit more outdoorsy. There's a bit more room to move, a bit more lines that are going to develop, and he can use that creativity, much like he did during that Super Motocross series in in Charlotte as well. So, will we see something special happen here at Daytona in terms of these three, you know, confident, high performing riders that are at the Getting towards the top of the standings here at the moment as we head into round eight of the Super Motocross Series here for the AMA Series. Will these three break away at the top and have a really ding-dong battle or will there be other factors at play? Will they get bad starts and have to work through the field? Will one get a good start and the other two be buried and one just runs away? I'm curious to see how this goes because this event could be something special to watch if it all plays out in a manner that allows to from the start of the event as in all three of them are in that sort of top 5 positions and can make moves to the front and then really separate themselves and really push themselves to you know to speeds that they probably wouldn't do unless the three of them are battling you know tooth and nail to get that win because they're all going to be motivated for this particular win i feel like Maybe this is the very one and only time that the uh, whole the old RC saying of it, the championship doesn't start until Daytona, might actually be the case. Everyone is super close. Will this be the point where the series actually kicks into gear and somebody takes hold of it? So who wins on Saturday night could be a big turning point in this 2024 season. All right, um, the 250 class. Austin Faulkner. Oh, Austin Faulkner. What could have been in 2024. Mind you, it's a kind of a story of what could have been in a few other seasons as well for Austin Faulkner, but damn, he looked good right up until he didn't. Unfortunately, that crash, he, you know, was just probably a couple of inches wrong on that jump. And I've seen some people say that he was too fast into that jump and carried that speed at a different point. Um, and stayed flatter rather than going up, he didn't get the pop, yeah, all that, the the transition point for that jump didn't leave much room for error, and he just found that that couple inches difference made all the difference in terms of how he ended up going through that section, upside down and off the bike is not the way you want to go through it, but there was plenty of reports of people doing similar, and literally a lap or so before, His teammate on Monster Energy Pro Circuit Kawasaki there, Cameron McAdoo, almost did exactly the same thing but managed to ride it out. That section of track was nasty, that little roll in that they had to wheelie over and then really precisely get that down ramp because that pocket, that transition point was super tight, very steep and very very tight, no room for error. Uh, Obviously, add in the ruts that were a part of that as well. Making that section extremely difficult and obviously it bit people all day. I'm curious as to why that one didn't maybe get tweaked at some point throughout the event in terms of maybe taking the downside of that uh, tabletop a little bit, you know, taking the point out of it and maybe making it a little bit wider or rounder to get that transition down a little bit safer um, why they didn't maybe work that inner part of the transition to take out the ruts between mains? Maybe they did, and it just really already formed back up in that ten minutes that it got to that point. But yeah, they need to look at that one. Obviously, everyone's talking about the concrete and Austin landing on the concrete. Um, one, I saw some comments about why don't they put more dirt? Why don't they put? crash mats, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, all that's great but you got to think about the transport costs that are involved with all that. One, if it's extra dirt, you've got to have extra dirt. You've got to transport in, you've got to transport it out. So you've got extra trucks coming in and out on both sides of the build. You've got extra time in the machines on the floor to try and spread that out and compact it. So... That's a big financial expense. If you go for mats or something like a inflatable bag along the side of the, the track, it's like a, you know, kind of like the down ramps they put on the freestyle ramps nowadays. Again, that's like a whole nother truck or two that they've got to transport all this gear around between events that's in a high expense. If they just look into some other aspects of, in terms of the track design, the maintenance, uh, even the bikes and the speeds and the riding gear, Maybe there's other ways that this could be sorted out. But yes, unfortunately, landing on concrete is 100%. That's not an accurate statistic, by the way, but it's just a comment here, that it is more harder than landing on dirt. Um, I saw that one on, on uh, Twitter at one point and I had to giggle because that was an obvious one. And I did reference something that I saw in some in some uh, research articles about the, the, the force that is not absorbed on dirt versus – oh, it is absorbed on dirt but not on concrete. And it's something like uh, the same force was if you dropped an object from like two point something metres versus less than half a metre on the concrete was the same outcome. So, yeah, landing on concrete is definitely worse than landing on dirt or other surfaces. So maybe they can do something there but, yeah, at this point, that floor is what they're working with and they probably don't have the cash to roll around and get extra dirt to fill that place because that is a big floor space at Cowboy Stadium there in Arlington. All right, we'll talk a little bit more about Austin Faulkner's injuries in a sec in the emergency department, so stick around for that. Um, but in terms of Austin, he did obviously get himself back into really good race shape after all of his injuries prior to it and he's going to have to do it again and he's going to need to do... Look, Rhino and him had some interesting stuff. We'll talk about that in a sec. But... They're going to work on his training and his performance. And look, maybe you're looking to take your performance to the next level. Competitive Edge Performance is the go-to provider of strength and conditioning programs, sports nutrition, and on-bike coaching schools for athletes of all levels. Offering in-person sessions and top-notch online programs, they can do it all for you. Always Moto Podcast listeners can get 50% off your first month on their training app using the code COMPEDGECOACH. That's C-O-M-P-E-D-G-C-O-A-C-H. Um So in capital letters, use that to check out the save with CompEdge Coach. Now, special message to uh, Damien there at CompEdge. He's had his surgery last week. He's had an issue. Check out his Instagram post. He's got all the details there about the issues that he had. Had a bit of a cyst growing in his spine. It's not too uncommon, unfortunately, but he's going to be out of action for a little while while he does his own rehab, um, and getting himself back together fitness wise and all that. So hopefully everything goes smoothly from here, but he did have a bit of a rough couple of days there post op, uh, which wasn't part of the plan, but he looks to be on the men. So hopefully everything goes smoothly from here for Damien. All right. Next up on this list. Yes. So that Austin Faulkner, Ryan, Ryan Hughes post, um, the forty plus broken bones, the forty plus concussions, the forty plus torn this, that's, and the others. I'm not sure that's a badge of honour you want to be putting out there. Particularly the forty plus concussions between the two of them. That is something that our sport needs to look at doing a lot better. There is no way, in any shape or form, that this this sport should be promoting that, or you know, supporting the fact that oh, they're just tough. They just they just work through it. We've all seen what's happened in other sports with this CTE, the you know, the brain fog and the dementia and all that sort of stuff that goes along with these retired Uh, professional athletes that have had multiple knocks throughout their career and didn't do the you know the right rehab the right time out of the game to recover in many cases especially the guys from the you know the 70s the 80s they just went straight back they had the concussion if they could see straight and stand up they just kept playing you know none of this stuff now where we're actually testing it taking them out of the game um, and you know forcing them to sit out until the recovery is done AMA is not doing that same level of stuff yes there is a concussion protocol in place but that isn't you know we've said this plenty of times on here during what we call concussion discussion but there is not this is not happening well you know good enough uh, overall and that 40 plus number there is evidence of that Um, if Ryan wants to come on and have a chat to us about it all that's great but There's some point that he's surely got to understand that that's not a great number to be advertising around. I took some flack when I tried to reach out to people a little while ago about doing some sort of stats of, you know, these sorts of injuries for their careers and they weren't interested in talking about that sort of stuff because it's viewed as a bad thing in our sport to talk about injuries, which is exactly what we do here because they just, these riders just disappear for months on end at times when they have an injury and nobody knows what's going on. And then, you know, or they ride through something and, and they you know, they can in that scenario. Maybe it's not, we're not talking about concussions here. We're talking about, you know, bruising, sprains, all that sort of stuff. They can ride through some of that stuff, but they hide all this stuff. And we're just trying to make it a bit more aware and, and obviously improve safety and conditions and, and post-life aspects and wellness for these riders. So talking about it's not a bad thing, but I think that one in particular just highlights some sort of errors that we've been in the past that we should be working on to improve in the future. So, yeah, the interesting post there. If you haven't seen it, um, it's floating around on one of their stories. I think it might even be on one of their their social posts now. Um, but check it out. Um, it's an interesting one. All right, 250. Keep continuing here from Arlington. The interesting part in all this, yes, Hayden Deegan got his first Supercross win. Well done, Hayden. The little bit of his post-race prom- um celebration one yeah, good on him throw back to his dad bit of a ghost ride i'm not going to promote that i'm not i told my kids don't do that when i saw it um doesn't matter what the situation is but obviously it's something that he was looking forward to doing and just you know following his father's footsteps that's all kind of cool but yeah look once is once is enough let's leave it at that but the part that really was a bit eh, for me the interviews of from hayden throughout the the coverage this this weekend were very interesting um I feel like his interviews are like almost pre-scripted and I could be wrong here, but I feel like his media team or his dad is like preparing these pre, you know, him going there. So he sort of knows what he's going to say and doesn't seem to matter what the um, interview person on the TV coverage, you know, JT um, or whoever it is putting out that question to him. doesn't matter what that question is. He doesn't seem to answer that question. And when, the second question came to him, it was like he wasn't prepared for that because he didn't have a response and he sort of bumbled around. And that's where those comments around, you know, oh, you know, Austin going down and, um, you know, he was making mistakes all day and this sort of stuff, it was just a bit cringeworthy for me and I don't like the fact that he did that. I feel like he needs to have a bit better presentation on that side of things. Yeah, like everyone wants personality, but you've got to be able to do that particular part a little bit better. If you want to pre-script stuff, sure, but make sure that you can include some you know make an audible change at some point because they need to be able to be better than that in that scenario particularly when somebody's gone down from the lead that was one of your competitors and it doesn't look great yeah he might not have seen it all because but he was had a pretty good view from where he was I'd say on the track to see Austin hit the concrete and then obviously see him on the ground the following lap so Yeah, he could be a bit better in that particular aspect, but let's keep let's keep the personality and 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 all that sort of stuff going. Yeah, he's got it going good with the YouTube side of things, but let's improve. Let's continue to improve, Deegan. Right. The interesting part of all this in the two hundred and fifty class: how is Max Anstey the red plate holder, the Australian champ, the World SX two champ? He's now the East Coast points leader but he's done this with a second place and a sixth place finish in the opening two rounds. This season has been so upside down since that first turn crash in Detroit. It's just wild. Now that Austin's basically gone out for the season, um, Deegan's had a win, but he had that bar bend that's seen him in I think it was 16th or 17th in the opening round. Pierce Brown with the two fifths being second in the series. It's just completely nuts hopefully from now on we'll be able to see some people get some consistent results and we can work this all out in the wash but for the moment uh, max Anti on that firepower honda your reeves team he's going to be turning up to daytona with a red plate on that honda so well done max hopefully he can keep it for more than just one round but he's going to need to do better than a sixth in daytona and i'm not sure how he's going to like it there he's obviously an outdoor guy but he hasn't done much outdoors since coming to coming back to the states Particularly in the last sort of two years that he's been with the the Honda boys there at Firepower, um, and when he did do those Super Motocross races at the end of last year, he ended up pulling out and not doing them all because he just wasn't he just wasn't competitive at them um, last year. Now whether that was the prep, whether that was the bike setup, the tracks being different, just curious how this is going to go for Max Anstey at um, Daytona. Yes, he's a good sand rider. Maybe that will help shine through, but he's got to get the bike set up and maybe this time he'll have the mentality about it so you know the points the red plate might be good for him in this sense to keep him you know motivated and pressing forward on a day that might not be as comfortable for him as the others that have seemed to be the more stadium style supercross tracks in recent times because that's what he's been doing a lot of time on Uh, and there is a video actually from mtf training facility this week of him going like quad 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 or something in a section it was pretty nuts so check that out if you haven't seen it check out mtf's uh social pages on instagram i think it was all right um daytona daytona this week the track is actually a lot better last year and the year before were the same track um, Ricky Carmichael did something different over those two years and just built the same track. He, he he saved on the design time. Maybe he took a money a pay cut for the design in the previous years, but he designed the same track. This year, it's different. There is a much different layout in past years. There is probably going to be a couple of tweaks to it in terms of shortening that uh, whoop section down because at the moment, that whoop section is massive on the track design. What it'll be in reality, I don't know. But what I found interesting was the comments from Ricky Carmichael uh, on the post-race show uh, for the Supercross this year uh, at Arlington, I should say, that he indicated because the track map shows the dirt obviously for the jumps, but there's grass sections between them. So he's indicated he's trying to leave grass, natural grass on the track uh, in the design this year to try and change up the surface a little bit, which is obviously kind of cool, but um, but whether that will stay that way when they're building it, because obviously the dirt's going to get spread around as they're moving it into position, it's not going to be as clean cut as the track map. That's you know a digital representation, but maybe that'll be a little bit of a tweak and a change to this this venue um, that will be good. I'm curious how they got that approved actually, because the grass at Daytona is very impressive, and have it you know maybe they needed to re re uh, relay it or something. But they're going to have to after this one. So they're going to have not much left in some sections and and obviously they're still working around sprinklers and all that sort of stuff, the watering system. So we'll have to see how it goes. But the track looks a lot, you know, looks really good from the the track design at this point in time. See how it races obviously on Saturday, but it's looking positive. And I I quite like watching Daytona. I've heard obviously lots of stuff about people not liking the viewing from being there as a spectator because you're on ground level or you're very far away on the grandstand with the, you know, the tarmac between you. But watching it on TV is always cool. They have some good good views. They obviously have that uh, camera that's next to the whoop section that's on like the, either it's on the Segway or it's on the back of the um, ATV or something like that. So that gives you a bit of a different interesting view. You just get some, you know, different shots and different obstacles on this track. It's always just interesting and I like it. It's a change up. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be a good race this weekend at Daytona. Like I said, I feel like the stars are going to align and we're going to get a good race between Cooper, Eli and Jet, particularly in that 450 class. So it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out all right let's uh let's shift gears here we're going to jump into the always moto fantasy league thanks to Coastal motorcycle center and health Tech australia for being on board with our sponsorships this year in our two fantasy leagues we have our bootleg league that's running quietly on the side and obviously you can be a part of that if you send us a dm to our always moto uh, instagram page and also you can join in on the rocky mountain uh, fantasy league there as well we just need a password for it so you have to send us a dm as well we do have our group chat that You can jump in and be a part of so that you can see the scores that we pop in there each week uh, and also just talk about your picks and talk about General Motors stuff in there as well. It's a pretty cool group chat to be a part of. Now, in the bootleg league, the round winners is a pretty high scoring round really um, for us. Lots of people in the mid 200s. I had a really good round, but unfortunately still only managed to find myself in fourth position and I got 247. Uh, so that's a pretty decent score for myself but we had a change up dobson 110 has been leading out all these rounds it seems or in recent times but he managed to only get second this week on 252 but mosebilt has won the round with 262 in the bootleg league so well done to him and as always well done to lachlan for getting this up and running and continually making it happen week in week out even with the little baby that's just turned up in the last two weeks or so Um, so well done to Lachlan for still getting this out and about so we'll look ahead Uh, we'll we'll obviously recap those things next week in terms of the how the results and stuff go from the Daytona but in the Rocky Mountain League we had a bit of a shake-up as well um, our man from Full Noise, Aaron Two Three Four, has managed to make his way into the lead. He's on two hundred and ninety points, and he's got a two-point gap over Full Toe Twenty Nine. Uh, and then there's only a two-point gap back to Three Two Five Motorsports, which is our man Matt, who's been very active in our fantasy groups in previous years. Now there is a decent ten-point gap back to fifth in uh, fourth into Swapper Fifty Six, and then Ben Langford's bringing up fifth place. Uh, with 262 two. so everyone's going not too bad there and actually interestingly ben's playing in the overall group by looks because he's got a f- he's running in 5840th position in that overall group there for the whole league for the rocky mountain but yeah for the for the always motor league things are going pretty well there so make sure you get those tips in uh, remember they close out right before the gate drops for the opening races of the main program there with the supercross and again, thanks to Coastal Motorcycle Centre and Helltech Australia for the support of our Always Moto Fantasy Leagues. All right, let's take a quick break here on the Always Moto Podcast. We are going to come back with the emergency department. What's up, guys? It's Doc Smith. You're listening to the Always Moto Podcast. Um, it'll be a fun one. All right, guys and girls, we are back. Thanks for sticking around on the Always Moto Podcast brought to you by Leot Moto Australia. Let's get straight into this emergency department list. The emergency department, all the injuries, all the gory details, and when they'll be back on track. It's the list you really don't want to be on every week we say it every week we don't want to be a part of this list but we have to bring that information because people keep joining this list now some of these guys they make the list on because they've made their own mistakes some have bad setups and some don't know how to set up their own suspension and rely on suspension tuners to help them out but they all have somehow made this list uh which is never a good thing now While we're talking about this, let's talk suspension. And if suspension service setup and tuning is your business, you want to work with quality components so you can trust so that your clients will have zero issues with your work. Technic Motorsport in Sydney have been designing their own spring products for two decades. Now, with a single source of CNC wound springs, from the Netherlands under ISO 2001 quality control, over 1,500 Technic motor spro- Moto Springs covering late model MX and off-road bikes are in stock in their warehouse in Sydney. Technic Springs are available fast with same-day shipping on all orders completed by noon on business days and Technic can send them anywhere. Shipping nationwide and internationally is no problem at all. TechnicMotorsport.com is super easy to navigate with a spring calculator and has a currency converter to make your purchase and ex- purchase experience a smooth ride. Check out TechnicMotorsport.com f- for all those things today uh, and let's hope that they, maybe some people will use Technic to get their bikes feeling better and avoid being on an emergency department list like this one. All right, so some things to note here this week as we head out of Arlington and head towards Daytona. Uh, Kevin Moran's had another crash. He'd been out for a couple of weeks after a practice crash uh, that had a concussion for him. He had another con- crash another can crash can crash that's a terrible word i've just joined concussion and crash together but anyway he had another crash in arlington and he had to sit out um arlington but i've checked in with him he's in for daytona he's a okay he was just a bit shooken up and a bit bruised from that arlington crash and if you haven't seen that crash you can check it out on his youtube channel it's a bit of a nasty get off in the rhythm section he comes up way short and ends up facing into the next one, um, body only sort of thing. So yeah, check it out. Kevin somehow walked away from that one. Has no nothing major of of concern. He's been in the gym already. You can check that out on his socials. And like I said, I checked in with him. He's good to go for Daytona. We also checked in with Luca marsilisi Um we got some direct reports from him. Uh he is A okay as well. His comments were that he's just stiff. And I asked if he was just stiff when his girlfriend walked past or if he was stiff in other manners, and he just laughed. And I was like, all right, you're feeling pretty good. So he's okay. He'll be at Daytona as well. Uh, Jalik Swole, that Triumph racing motorcycle. Um, Triumph is not going to have too many people potentially at Daytona racing their bike this weekend. Between him and Evan Ferry, things aren't looking too good. But Jalik managed to get together with Max Anstey in the opening laps of that main event and managed to shoot off the side of the track and end up basically, now this isn't confirmed. Nobody's confirmed this at all anywhere, but it looks to be a concussion. I don't know why people don't just say it and come out it. And he's mentioned that he's uh, doing everything that he needs to do to be back on the track. Now that would indicate that he's on the concussion protocol, which is great. Now, given that uh, Jalik has a fair history with concussions, I would hope that that extends the period of time that he is required to be on it, but that will only be dictated by that initial doctor's check and then a scan that the neurologist that he has to see as part of that process through the few days of the few stages of that return to ride program. So how that all plays out, I don't know, but he potentially could be cleared to ride on Daytona. But I would hope, like I said, given that past history, that his doctors are smart enough to keep him out for a bit longer than just the five days, which allows him to be back on the bike at the very next race the following week. So let's see how that all plays out for Jaleek. But at this stage, yeah, he needs some time. Um, He was down on the ground there in that main event for some time. Now, keep in mind too, each concussion that you're getting the symptoms and recovery time take a lot longer to resolve the symptoms and recover accurately or appropriately back to full function. So it's not as quick each time around. It's actually a bit more involved with each one and potentially Jalik's had... I think he's getting up up there in the numbers here. He's not uh, Ryan Hughes' forty-plus numbers with Austin Faulkner, but he'd be getting getting towards that these days. So yeah, he's going to need some time to check that, check the boxes to make sure he's good to go when he is back coming back to the races. Now, Evan Ferry on press day at Arlington had a crash. Depending on the sources that you look for and read, uh, you will hear AC joint or shoulder dislocation. We believe it's a shoulder dislocation for Evan Ferry. Now, there's a few different things that can happen here. Uh, If it is an AC joint, well, it depends on the grade of the sprain as to what he's required to do. He should be back in sort of one to four weeks depending on the grades. Grade one being less severe and meaning that he could probably be back in a week. Grade two, somewhere that two to three weeks. Grade three, he's out for like four, potentially out to six, depending on what's required after that. Now, I mentioned this with the Jet Reynolds AC joint separation that was aggravated prior to the Arlington Round. The AC joint generally doesn't need surgery. It's not one of those ones that is repaired often. There are further grades, four, five, and sixes. Those potentially need it, but that stock standard... Um, collarbone the the outside end of the collarbone being lifted up from the acromioclavicular ligament being stretched um, and the shoulder blade being pushed down is the stock standard you know grade one two three and those ones tend to heal on their own yeah you end up with a bit of a springboard and a bit of a high sitting collarbone but once the pain's resolved and the stability comes back to the shoulder joint with some rehab that doesn't take too much effort really um, you know things are things are pretty much A-OK. No surgeries are usually required. So we'll keep an eye on that. If it's a dislocation, different story. If it came out clean and went back in clean quickly, he could escape anything but there is a bit of stability issues there around that joint then because it's now become a bit more loose. He would require a couple of weeks of um, exercises to get that feeling a bit more stable before he would should be rushing back to a bike. So again, that'd be at least a two-week gap for me if I was instructing that one. If it's a bit more damage if he's torn a muscle if he's torn the labrum as it's come out and requires repair or maybe it's not bad enough for repair it's still going to be something like six weeks if it's a repair it's out to 12 minimum for that sort of recovery period um, to be really you know good with the rehab that got to go into it because there's a long period there where he has to be immobilized in a sling and not doing all that much for about that four to six week mark so depends on what will happen here so we have to check in The team press release indicated that he was going for some medical reviews earlier in the week. We haven't heard from those. We've tried to check in with the Triumph team, but they're obviously busy with the worldwide media launch of the Triumph bike that's been going on over in the States. Um, One day we might hopefully be able to get a ride on that thing. That'd be pretty cool. But uh, yeah, we'll have to wait to hear back from the team at this stage to see what's happening with Evan Ferry. Uh, checked in with Joan Cross, we saw that he sat out Arlington again and we just confirmed that he's still sore from those crashes we've spoken about previously on the show. He had those rib issues, he had a knee issue, seems his knee is still just lingering around a bit sore, so potentially he's carrying something there, whether it's a meniscal tear, maybe a sprained ligament, maybe it's his, just his MCL. He hasn't really given us too much details when we've been checking in on him, he just keeps saying it's sore. Uh, potentially that's the, the language barrier there as well. With, with Joan, his English isn't his first language. He's pretty good with it, but he's yeah maybe we're just missing something there. Uh, but he's hoping to be back at Daytona, if not the following week for, I believe it's Alabama. Um, so we'll see how that goes. And the other thing to note here before we jump into the outs and ins, um, McAdoo has been carrying some issues into the season. So he obviously had that shoulder AC joint in early in the preseason or mid-preseason, I think it was. Sorry, December, January there, uh, but he's also been carrying a knee injury. Now we don't have details on what that is, but he's been seen limping around after the podiums and whatnot. Um, and he tweaked that in that crash in Daytona, where he ripped the seat of out of his pants and let his junk fly around for the whole moto. So he did tweak it when he flew through the air at that point there. Um, So that's not doing too well. So again, if there's a couple of things that could be going on here, one, he might have a a bit of a meniscal tear that he's been managing through. Maybe he's got a sprained ligament that he's been managing through. All of those things are going to be, you know, four to six weeks of management to get that thing back on on track, but that's without actually racing through and doing all that normal training load. So I dare say his training is going to be a little bit modified for a week or two here while he's trying to get that under control. But if it is a meniscal tear, um, Depending on how bad it is, he may need a cleanup at some point and maybe he'll have to use a break in the series or between Supercross and Motocross to try and get that sorted out depending on how bad it is and if he can't manage it. You can manage these things conservatively uh, but if he continues to ride on it and continues to tweak it, it might just be something that needs you know some work done at some point just to make this sort of you know, go away and not be an ongoing issue for him for the long term. All right, out following injuries that we've report, we've heard for this week from Arlington as we head to Daytona. Um, Austin Faulkner, obviously, we mentioned him at the start of the show. Massive crash there in Arlington in the main event. That uh, Monster Energy Pro Circuit, Kawasaki, did not like landing on that um, tabletop there and bouncing out of that transition. Unfortunately for Austin, he's broken his scapula and the reports are L3 and L4 transverse process fractures. Now, none of this apparently requires surgery. The the scapula is well supported in a lot of muscle. It is basically a free supported, free hanging bone in that that upper torso area. It's connected to obviously the upper arm and the collarbone by ligaments and, and that glenoid labrum. But generally speaking, it's just slung around there by the musculature that's in that area, the rotator cuff, the traps, the lats, all that sort of stuff. So it's supported there pretty well. And unless it's in some massive, massive pieces... Um, it's generally going to sit together there and just repair itself yes it'll be painful every time he moves um, but it will slowly repair itself over the four to six week period for the transverse process fractures in the spine the transverse processes are the ones that go out sideways the ones you feel at the back as you run your hand up your back that's the spinous process that points straight out transverse processes point sideways and that's where all your your lats your rectospinae spinae, attach to so again There's nothing that needs to be done surgically there because they will just repair themselves. Again, they're slung in the muscles very well and supported by that. Um, It's usually things that require surgery in the vertebral fractures are obviously the body fractures that then have pieces coming off them and require plating, you know, fusions, all that sort of stuff. Now, the reason there's no concern here for spinal cord is because those transverse fractures processes are actually not anywhere near where the cord is running through the vertebral body. So, um, you know, lucky for Austin there, but I dare say those transverse process fractures occurred in that point where he actually whipped and the back, um, sort of had a whipping motion as he hit that second, between that second impact, like between the first and the second impact. So if you watch that back, you'll see there's a bit of a violent flick um, and that all happened towards his lower back and that's say that's where that's occurred, unfortunately, for Austin Faulkner. So he's going to be about a four to six week process for these to re recovered but then obviously you got to get the training back into the body so he's probably going to be out for supercross and won't be back until outdoors but obviously he's going to also have to overcome the mental aspects of all this because he was back to the top he was doing quite well and he's been smashed back down to the ground floor again so how he all recovers from that we'll have to wait and see but the bones aspects of this is actually dare to say it, minor in the scheme of of the injuries that Austin has had in previous years. So this one should be an easy one to come back from, but still untimely and hopefully the last things for Austin Faulkner for a long time in terms of an injury. Uh, Christian Craig is an interesting one for us. We... We know of Christian's past injuries last year in Glendale where he managed to dislocate a hip and fracture his radial head of his elbow when he dislocated that elbow in a massive crash uh, last year. And he had a lot of issues with it. We spoke about it at the time. He had a couple of surgeries because the radial head didn't actually repair. It didn't rejoin and unite with the rest of the bones. Now, he ended up having that radial head removed as part of the best management at the time for that injury. Now he's been back on the bike. He returned at Motocross of Nations at the end of last year. Uh he's been on Supercross at the beginning of this year. He's done the six rounds, but this day this time after the press day in Arlington managed to pull out because he's having ongoing issues with that elbow. Now what could those issues be? They've removed the problematic part in terms of the bone. Yes but there's plenty of other stuff there and other reasons that need could be considered here. That bone and that radial head provides stability to the joint. It also provides a point of rotation for the forearm to turn the hand over and back. These things are now not occurring in the same manner that they once were. The muscular has got to, has got to do a much different job to stabilize that joint because there's now not the ligaments that are holding that radial head down in place onto the other part of the owner so there's just some changes there that he's going to have to work through and because it's not as stable that joint will be taking a lot more load and potentially just aggravating that elbow from the dislocation factors so It's something that Christian is going to obviously have to deal with for the rest of his career. What could they be doing to solve that? One, there's lots of stability work that he's going to have to go through. But two, maybe there's something else that is of concern on an imaging aspect of the bone. Maybe the bone has got some sort of odd shape, spurring. Maybe he's actually broken something else in that area that's, you know, now from that, you know, repair site that he's had maybe there's something else that's going astray and he needs some cleanup work done maybe that's the simple answer in all of this because if it's stability this is going to be an ongoing issue for him for a long long time potentially forever because that's going to have to be something that's really strong for him to be able to compete at a top level and tolerate the loads that go through the arms when you hit things like you know a whoop section, a rhythm section, the on-offs and that sort of stuff. That's a repeated load, big load that he's going to be taking there. So there's a bit of work for Christian Craig to be coming here in the few, few, few weeks late after this point to see if he can get back out there this season in terms of Supercross or not. So we'll have to watch this space with uh, interest. I have reached out to Christian, but I haven't got any response from him despite meeting him at redbud uh, when he had his elbow one between one of his elbow surgeries uh, and you know confirming that he'd be interested in talking we haven't been able to get in touch with him since then so we'll hopefully be able to hear from christian here in the you know the next few days and maybe try and get something together for us but yeah it's, i'm interested to see how this plays out for christian craig and last on the list here that's going to be out for a little bit of time while some investigations are done Our man Bubba Pauly, who we've spoken to plenty on the Always Moto podcast, particularly after his thumb amputation last year and the leeches and all that sort of stuff. He's been back out there this year, which is awesome to see, but unfortunately Bubba dislocated his shoulder uh, in Arlington and is out getting some investigations done now. Similar to like what we talked about with Evan Ferry, if it is a dislocated shoulder, there's plenty of things that could be happening here. And, you know, I don't want to repeat myself about the same things, but essentially... If it came out clean, good. He might be back next week, but he's waiting on those investigations to see if there's any other damage and if he needs some work done or not on that shoulder. So Bubba will be running the team manager's hat only this week, not the rider hat as well. Um, And we'll have to see how how that shoulder has been scanned. We'll check in with Bubba and we might have some more information by the time we put out our... Uh, YouTube video, so check that out. If you haven't already found it, subscribe to that channel and you get some additional F information because we do these at different points in the week. So hopefully we've got more info by that point, which will be out in a day or so here as well. All right, making returns. Now, we've got question marks, lots of lots of these ones because they don't always happen when we expect them to. Colt Nichols, um, probably not this week, but definitely for next. But the interesting part for Colt is that he is back on the Supercross um you know, training regime who's been back on supercross tracks, which is awesome. But John Short, who has been filling in at Beta, is now back on his privateer Kawasaki. So obviously, the Beta team is expecting Colt back here. Any week now, so that's a good sign for Colt Nichols from that rotator cuff injury that he had uh, at the beginning of Supercross season. Adam, since is going to be back from that hand fracture, so it'll be good to see the number nine on the Monster Energy Kawasaki back on track. Interesting track to come back to, but he's obviously ready to go, so why not come back to Daytona? Jeremy Martin, we have to wait to see. We're waiting for an update from Club MX as to whether he will be on track this week or next, but he will be back fairly soon he just took that extra time after that concussion to not do arlington we expect it's going to be daytona because that's one of his favorite venues in the supercross series but if he's not ready hopefully he continues to take the time that is necessary but it's likely he'll be back this week we'll wait to see we'll put some updates out when we get that information direct from club mx enzo lopes as we spoke about last week our source at star racing yamaha has indicated that it's a week by week situation with enzo but given that this week's probably the hardest week for him to were coming back from things to do with his forearms and forearm pump issues that he was trying to have those procedures done with. Who knows if it's this week or next, but there is a chance that this doesn't go very good for Enzo at all and, you know, there's a potential that we don't see him at all on that Star Racing Monster Energy Yamaha, which would be completely disappointing, but we'll have to wait and see how this plays out. Haven't heard from Luke Nice yet, but we expect that he'll be this week or next in terms of coming back from that uh, lower leg fracture. So we'll have to see how that all plays out. But Luke is very close to being back on the bike. And finally, our Aussie, the import that's coming over to ride for Team PRMX part Zilla Kawasaki, it's Aaron Tanti. We've checked in with Aaron. Obviously, we spoke with his uh, physio man there, Dean, last week on the show from Fighting Fit Physio. But Aaron is back in the States, he's back on the bike, he's had one day on the bike, he's into Florida with the team, unlikely to race Daytona unless everything feels super duper amazing these next few days. But at this stage, he's aiming for Alabama and then being able to get eight of the remaining rounds all in for his first season with the AMA Uh, 450 class there so good to see that aaron's almost back he's hopefully going to let us in on on when that occurs so we'll keep an up on that as well but just uh yeah you got to stay up to date on the social channels to be aware of these little extra bits and pieces because obviously we put together what we have here when we record for the show but things change quickly in this sport so you got to keep up to date with it all on the other pages all right that's the emergency department for this week hopefully you got some good info and obviously we try to bring you information that's actual tangible here on the Always Motor podcast. We're not just reading press releases for these injuries, as does everybody else, it seems. We are actually throwing that physio hat on and throwing in that information about the injuries so that you get a little bit more out of it. To understand what's going on with your favorite rider and hopefully you appreciate that so let us know if you like it in the comments um, or send us a message on on the always moto social media pages uh, because we'd love to hear from you so let us know what you think of the emergency department when we do these updates all right let's take a break here on the always moto podcast we'll be back with a dave's diatribe i'm Brayton carroll riding for team tcd and you're listening to the always moto podcast all right guys and girls we are back on the always moto podcast thanks for sticking around we are going to jump into this dave's diatribe now be aware this is on a youtube channel i have ripped the audio from my youtube video to put this in we're going to do the intro here but when what you're going to hear is from the video so might be a little bit of a you know drop over here so check it out this is dave's diatribe what's a diatribe a diatribe is a forceful and bitter attack against someone or something so keep your head down you might be next you could be next why was austin faulkner allowed to walk when he had a sea collar on that's what i want to know round seven at arlington for super motocross saw austin faulkner have a massive crash and unfortunately We're talking about the medical response here that happened afterwards. I'm David Hogan of Always Moto. I'm an Australian physiotherapist, and I am disheartened to be bringing you this information around the processes that happened after Austin crashed. This really gives me the shits, knowing what should be done, but watching someone do the complete opposite. Austin Faulkner was in a C-collar and was allowed to walk to the medic cart. What the actual... I've said this before. I've also been the guy on the sidelines as the team medic. If you as the medical party have enough concern to put on a C collar, you put them on a backboard. One goes with the other. You take them straight back for more imaging so that you can clear that C spine and the rest of the spine for any fractures, especially when you've got that big outpoint stars rig just outside the venue with an x-ray machine, just waiting to be used. You don't, I repeat, you don't let them walk. What's going on, AMA, Alpine Stars medical crew? This isn't right, guys. I'm sorry, but I don't care what the rider says to you, whether the TV crew's in your ear, there's a live schedule. If you suspect a neck or a spinal or a concussion injury, nothing should matter. If you're going for that c collar, you pop them on a backboard and you get them out of there safely. This has happened before, guys. It's happened to Dylan Frandes last year in Houston. He had a concussion. He was out for quite some time. He was laying on the track, but then vision of him sitting upright with a neck collar on as he was driven out on the medic cart. That is not right. The rider's concussed. He doesn't know what's going on. He can't tell you accurately what happened five minutes ago because he was having a snooze on the track. They shouldn't be dictating terms. If a rider doesn't like it, bad luck, but the medic crew is in charge at this point. Put it in the rule book, find them, suspend them, make that suspension have to be served once they're back healthy. Don't let this happen again. The rider shouldn't be the one dictating terms here. The medical crew is assessing them. Let them make the decisions safely for the rider because they are in a compromised state. Let's fix these safety concerns and the medical interventions in our sport. Let's be better guys. Let's be better. Don't get me started on how our outdated rider safety is in terms of our rider gear, because that's a whole nother topic, but we can fix this one. The medical crew should be doing better by our riders and our riders should be letting them look after them when they've had those sorts of injuries. Shouldn't matter what's going on, but if you go for that C collar, you should be on the backboard safely out of the venue and into that Alpine Stars rig for an X-ray to clear any fractures of that spinal column. Thanks for watching. Hey, I'm Bubba Pauly from the madparts.com Kawasaki Supercross race team, and you're listening to the Always Moto podcast. All right, guys and girls, thanks for sticking around on this Always Moto podcast, episode 98, brought to you by Leot Moto Australia. It's time for a bit of a product inspection highlight on the Always Moto podcast. We haven't done one for a couple of weeks, but we're going to jump into the Liat helmets, and they've got a very expansive range over there at leotmoto.com.au, or it should be Uh but the helmets are very, they've got a very big range. They range all the way through from kids to adults, uh, but also in different makeups of the compositions of the shells, the features that are within, as and also just some of the things that come extra with the helmets as well that you'll see here very shortly. Now, they range through from the 9.5 carbon version all the way down from a 8.5, 7.5, 3.5, and their 2.5 versions, which obviously there's some ranges in terms of the kids' models there and the 2.5s and that but also those, like we said, about the features that go along with the helmets. Now, all of Liat helmets feature a category-defining 360-degree turbine technology. Now, think of that as that MIPS sort of thing across other brands, and all of them have that little version of what they're calling this control of rotational forces. For Liat, it's this 360 turbine technology. And it's little discs that are constructed from energy-absorbing material that... Designed to allow the head to move slightly inside the helmet during a crash and reduce that rotational, direct and deflective impact energy, um, the technology has two advantages to reduce the rotational acceleration of the helmet of the sorry of the head and brain, and absorption of energy upon impact at a concussion level. So. They're trying to improve the safety with this 360 degree turbine. Now, you, if you ever look inside the helmet, you'll actually see that there's little cutouts, little circular cutouts in the foam linings of these helmets nowadays, like the actual removable lining we're talking about, not the polystyrene um, shell that you see in all of them that's in there fixed, but that actual removable soft padding foam that you uh, sweat into and have to wash all the time. But there's cutouts in that and there's these little blue discs located all across this helmet and that's those 360 turbines. And there's obviously, as your head is going into the impact zone for the crash, uh, hopefully you're hitting onto one or multiple of those turbines and it's helping you absorb that rotational force a lot better so they have those all throughout the helmets and it's all through their range so they've taken that technology and they have put it across all of it so it doesn't matter whether you buy the 9.5 top of the line or you get that 2.5 bottom range it's going to have this technology which is really kind of cool that they're not just making it for the high end side of things They're, they're putting it in across it which is an awesome thing now, once your head is in this helmet, you're going to notice that it's a nicely fitted helmet. It's got a pro-fit modular comfort lining that's actually stretches over your helmet, uh, over your head within the helmet to help provide superior comfort and stability within that helmet there as well. Um, these helmets are both ECE and DOT certified. So they've done the testing to pass those categories. Now, If you listen to lots of different people those testings aren't necessarily the fantastic high-end levels that they should be and definitely agree with that they should be tested to a much higher standard uh, and make these things a lot more a lot more safety improvements just within them generally but that's the standard that they're working to at the moment that all helmets have to pass so look Great, they've ticked that box. But, yeah, look, they they should be better than that in general. But these Liat helmets are one of the best ones that test on these other independent sort of testing ones. So it's not all bad uh, across the range, but they test really well um, in terms of this Liat helmets. Um, The other ones don't have all that information here at this point, but the Liat's test well across those other independent ones as well. Now, some of the interesting things. Now, I personally am running an 8.5 helmet at the moment, and that's on some feedback that I got. We've we mentioned this gentleman here often at times, Paul from Helltech, uh, is doing that helmet sensor for the G-forces and whatnot that are going into the cr- into the helmet when you're crashing. And I check stuff with him all the time about helmets and whatnot, and it's just interesting to have conversation with him because he knows a lot about these topics. And as much as the carbon is obviously pricier, fancier, all that sort of stuff, He's told me at times, and I've thought this as well, but the carbon is a rigid material and doesn't necessarily absorb the impact as well as it could. And so the 8.5 shell, in his opinion, my opinion, um, actually was better. So we stayed away, I stayed away from the carbon. Um, It is a tiny bit lighter, but we're talking like, you know, minimal amount here. Um, they're already a very light helmet in terms of these Liat helmets. So that aspect is not a concern. But yeah, so I'm running the 8.5, which is very good. Now, some of the things that come with it, interesting enough, I didn't realize this when I, when I ordered the helmets through Liat. Um, but the 8.5 actually comes standard. This isn't an additional thing. This is just a standard Liat thing. They come with a helmet bag which is a very nice helmet bag. It's actually very um, solid, good handle. Um, Got a nice pouch on it. um, Soft entry point for your goggles to be kept in. Now, the 8.5 also comes with free 5.5 velocity goggles within the kit. It also comes with a helmet, like a visor extender, um, for your visor for mud purposes. So the visor extender is actually a clear extension piece over the front of the helmet that clips into place. Um, so it's not on there permanently, but you can pop it on for those mud events, which is awesome. Um, so you can pop your helmet down and try and still see through it to try and block the mud as it's coming at you, um, to try and keep it off your goggles. But yeah, so those couple of little things there, you can buy a pretty high end helmet these days and not always get a helmet bag, but to get a pair of goggles for free, to get that helmet visor extender for free, um, just some nice little additions there, which is really kind of cool. And obviously the helmet liners are all removable these days. They all have the very nice um, pull tabs that are clearly visible in case of an emergency and a crash that somebody else can remove these from the helmet for you to help the helmet be removed in a much safer manner. Um, These ones click into place quite well. Um, I do have to pay attention when I take the helmet off. It's not as simple as just pulling the helmet off. I do have to make sure that I hold on to the pad when I'm taking it on and off or I will tend to... My big ears or big melon seems to catch on the left side all the time. Must be the way that I take the helmets off and I just, just do it all the time because it happened a couple of times at the beginning when I, before I realized what I was doing. But as soon as I hold onto those cheek pads as I take the helmet off, it actually works fine. So that's not an issue, but just keep that in mind. The other thing that you notice when you pop these helmets on is the entrance to the helmet is a little bit narrower um i've previously used Arrows. i've tried on alpine stars the sm10s or whatever they're called the the fly formulas i've tried all these helmets on this one particularly it's a little pinchy when you go in but once you're in you're fine and coming out obviously same thing a little bit of a pinchy narrower entry i would call it into the helmet but Again, it's only putting it on and off. The kids whinge to me about it because it pinches their ears. They're just useless at putting the helmets on at this page. They're only nine and seven, um, so they're still learning all that stuff. But funnily enough, my little man was sitting there on the ground at Armadale, the other race event, and sitting there by himself with his helmet, learning how to tighten the buckle up and back and undo it, um, you know, which is obviously a skill to do, and he had his lead gloves on. He was trying to do it with the gloves on. I'm like, mate, you've got to learn how to do it with them on. No point just learning how to do them with them off. So it was pretty cool to see that. But yeah, no differences there. Obviously, the the, the helmet um, closure is the same across most of these helmets, which is you know the stock standard dual rings and the and the restraint retaining clip. So all that stuff is is really good. Now these are offered to. Um, ha- be very easy to fit, very easy to maintain in terms of the liner being removable, washable, breathable. Um, The helmet itself is very, very well ventilated. There is a big entrance air pocket entry points on the outsides of the shell, but also on the forehead, which is awesome for me uh, to try and keep my sweaty ass cool. But it does have a good breathing system to get air in and around the helmet whilst you're wearing it. So that is awesome try and keep you cool now i haven't noticed this one but i noticed it in the features here and i'm kind of have to check the helmet out myself when i get a chance but there is a hydration side port um to allow the hydration you know um tube to go into the helmet i haven't had to use it obviously um on these liots so i haven't even noticed it but i'm going to check that out later so but anyone out there we're using that sort of helmet mounted um, you know, hydration tube point. Yeah, you've got an extra entrance point standard on the Liat helmet, which is pretty cool. Now, the helmet only weighs 1.25 grams. Uh, 1.25 kilograms and grams. That's fucking tiny, David. No, um, yeah, 1.25 kilograms. So very, very light helmet. Um awesome bit the kit to have in a light sense now sizing wise they are ranging from extra small which is at 53 to 54 centimeters all the way up to double xl which is 63 to 64 and that's a bucket head if i have ever seen one that's a melon and a half um but sizing is true for me i've always sort of been in that 59 to 60 centimeter measurement on my on my chrome dome i shouldn't say chrome dome i'm not quite there with the bald head yet but i'm getting there um but yeah, the dome is is uh, is at 59 to 60, always a large helmet and it's exactly the same on the lid. So hopefully that sizing for everybody out there is fairly accurate. Um, we've measured up the kids to get their helmets done and it's very accurate on that side of things. So I have had no issue with just doing the whole, you know, um, dressmakers tape around the head and going off the sizing. Um, so that's one thing. And they obviously are able to buy liners, replacement liners, different thicknesses, sho- um, cheek pads, etc. So... The helmet's really well kitted out from Liat. Um, they come in a range of different colours and styles. They have different matte ones. I've got one in a matte finish. I've got one in a gloss finish. Um, the kids have got all sorts of different styles as well. It's very nice product. Uh, and it really, really surprised me when I opened the box, not expecting anything other than a helmet inside the box in maybe a cotton, you know, little pool, pool tie bag. And I had the full-on zip, you know, Liat helmet bag that I have never really got with a helmet purchase before uh, without purchasing it separately so that was a shocker and then to find that there was goggles in it was even more of a shocker so I was quite impressed with the the additional things that came with that 8.5 now those things aren't available in the 7.5s and down um, you do get goggles but not a helmet bag uh, and then further down obviously no helmet bag no goggles etc but that's what obviously you're paying that little bit extra price for when you're going up the ranges you're getting some additional inclusions um but yeah just just kind of cool I, I really like that and the bags are very very durable i've got them in the trailer with the helmets in there protecting protecting the helmets um yeah fantastic piece of additional thing there you got a if you've got a helmet a good helmet you want a helmet bag to go with it and the Liat one covers that really nicely all right, so that is our little uh, product inspection this week. Um, thanks to the Leatt helmets there and that 8.5 helmet. Uh, we'll take a quick break here and we'll be back with a little bit more on the Always Moto Podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Bobby Piazza and you're listening to Always Moto Podcast. All right, guys and girls, we are back. Thanks for sticking around on the Always Moto Podcast. And we're heading to the last leg here, but it's not too much further to go. We've got some little info that we always throw in at the end here just to keep things on your toes and make sure you're still sticking around and listening. Now, a little quick one just to throw in here. We're seeing on some social channels today and we haven't got confirmation yet. We have reached out to a few places about somebody fracturing a femur at Alden Baker's place today. You're probably going to hear about this closer to the weekend. um, So make sure you stick around on the Always Moto podcast channels, on the YouTube channel, on the social channels. We'll bring you something if we find out something concrete. But at this stage, it's all rumours, so don't believe everything you read online, people. Just, just just, in case you haven't heard that before, sometimes there is BS written on social pages. Just don't mean to burst your bubble there, but it does happen. All right. Uh, Daytona, this weekend, the viewing times for Super Motocross on the app. Again, New South Wales-based times here. So if you're in another state, check out the or make the conversion uh, and you'll be all good race it day live starts from 5 30 a.m and racing coverage starts from 11 a.m and this is sunday people um australian time so make sure you're around ready to check in if you're in the bootleg leg get your tips in before 11 a.m be watching race day live to make you know, help make those picks out there in the wild now before we go into the weather aspects for daytona um Daytona is obviously a sandy venue, outdoor venue, speedway style. You're going to need plenty of grip on your bike, and you know that comes from things like your handlebars, your hand grips, and your pegs. And when we talk pegs here on the Always Moto podcast, we talk pivot pegs because those things are super wide, they have a pivoting action, and they help you move around on the bike, which is something you'll need to do and be a bit you know more flexible on the bike at a track like Daytona. and it'll also help reduce that because of that pivoting accident, it helps helps reduce the soles, the wear that you get into the soles of your boots, whilst it improves your leg position on the bike. So you get a better ride. Now, to get a pe- set of pivot pegs for your own bike, you need to check out their website. It's pivotpegswithazed.com. Check them out. Now, Daytona weather wise, scattered showers, oh, it's not showers scattered thunderstorms across daytona region this saturday Um, 17 to 23 degrees celsius 85 percent humidity so that is high the guys are going to be sweating their butts off five percent chance of rain now that's interesting i'm not sure how accurate that is but that scattered thunderstorms obviously thunderstorms doesn't necessarily mean rain it does mean lightning and thunder potential for you know if there's lightning in the area that they have to prevent not prevent but hold the race uh, for a period of time whilst there's lightning in the area maybe that's part you know up to the venue rules of how their you know emergency procedures and venue safety and all that stuff goes in hand in hand but yeah only a five percent chance of rain so we'll have to see how that goes see if that changes across the week last few days of the week Um, but that's what we've got so far in terms of the weather so It's always a risk when you're outdoors to get a wet one. We've already had two of them in 2024. Uh, Daytona has the, you know, the chance of being a shit show. We've seen some real bad ones there in the past, but how it will go. Let's just hope for that dry race um, so that we can get something special hopefully from like Eli and Jet and have some sort of crazy battle between the two of them on a dry racetrack that lets them, you know, show off their skills. I don't want to see a shit sloppy show and have, you know, one of or two of them stuck in a mud somewhere. That wouldn't be the greatest, of, uh, the greatest of shows. We want to see that, you know, real mano-a-mano battle between the two of them at Daytona. I think that's what we're all looking forward to Got my fingers crossed it comes off. Let's see how it goes. Let's hope the weather is, is on their side. All right, great show this week. Thanks for listening, guys and girls. It's always appreciated. We need you sharing the show around to get some more people listening and help keep us prominent and, you know, help keeping us... You know these guys and girls out there—they're obviously looking to us for this information. But we need the the guys and girls in the pits to be um, open to that information. And if you're telling them that you heard about things from their injuries on the Always Moto podcast that will help when we reach out to them to give them or get more info because they'll know that it's been used in an appropriate manner um, and they'll want to be a part of it. So yeah, just just keep it up. Share it if you can, please, on your social pages. Talk to the writers about us and say we, you heard all this interesting stuff on the Always Moto podcast and then they'll be interested when we're talking to them as well. Make sure you're following our social media pages to stay up to date with all things injury and all things moto. Um, search Always Moto and then follow and subscribe. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed and if the app allows, leave a rating. It helps us like we're just talking about getting plenty of people listening to it. The ratings and all that sort of stuff, the likes, the shares, the reposts, they help us immensely. So please, please do that if you can. Don't forget to check out our written articles over at fullnoise.com.au. But that's it for another show. Thanks to Elite Moto Australia, Technic Motorsport, Pivot Pegs, Competitive Edge Performance, Slant Board Guy, Endurance Recovery Boots and Tech 167 3D Printing for the show support. Thanks to those two Fantasy League sponsors, Coastal Motorcycle Centre and Helltech Australia. Thanks to you guys and girls out there for listening. Thanks to the wife and kids for letting me get this done each and every week. Remember, you've got to be smooth to be fast because if you're not, I'll probably be seeing you deep in this emergency department, maybe even the clinic having strapping tape thrown wherever it sticks. But just remember that sometimes you've got to trust that time heals 99% of everything.